Well, tonight we're going we're gonna to start a brand new series, and when you came in, you were given a card, and if you look in that uh, little pamphlet, can I get one of those, Matt? Uh, those cards, uh, it, it's my next steps, and these next steps is a way for you to kind of visually see where you are in your walk with the Lord. Now, for some of us, we'll kind of have a, a, an idea of, of what our walk is like. You know, we get up in the morning, we go to work or we are at home doing certain things, uh, and then we'll start our day. We'll have uh, various things to do throughout the day. And sometimes we'll be able to get into the Word of God. Sometimes we'll be able to listen to a message from the Lord or maybe a podcast of some kind, and, and that helps us with our spiritual walk. Some of us will read books. You know, it helps us to develop our, our, our walk with the Lord and our spiritual walk, as well as our heart with God. And so there are various ways to do that. One of the ways that we do that here is what we call daily devotions. And we do a, an acrostic, S-O-A-P, and that's our scripture that we have read for the day or that we kind of popped out at us. We write that down, what the scripture is, and then what we've observed in that scripture. And then we write down an application, how am I going to apply it into my life, and then what is my prayer? So we'll write that. And, and that's another way of helping us to see how we're growing in the Lord. Because after a while, when you look back on your journals, you know, years back, you'll see what the Lord was doing in your life. And so don't, don't, don't give up when you start doing daily devotions, okay? And then you miss a day or two. Just get back on track on the day of. And the reason why we do the bookmarker is so that we can go through the entire Bible in a year. That's if you read every day. And you go through the entire Bible in a year. I know for some, you might say, well, that's a lot to read. That's like 15 or 20 minutes to read. I used to say that until I started watching TV and two, three hours went by. And I thought, wait a minute, who's my God? If I'm spending three hours watching TV or on the internet or Facebook and I say to God, oh God, I don't have 20 minutes for you. It kind of gives me an idea who's my God. And so I had to make that switch and say, Lord, I, I want to be in your word. I don't want anything else to take your place. I want you to be first place in my life. And so what this next steps uh, card does, it's like a road map. And it helps us to see visually where we are in our walk with God. And it will also help us and encourage us to take some bold leaps of faith. That when we get to a certain place, sometimes we'll skip around. We'll go from one to five or two to three and four and go back to one because we felt like, oh, I don't know if I know Jesus yet. And we'll go back and forth. So this is not necessarily a, uh, like a law. It's just a quick way for us to roadmap out where we are with the Lord. And so we're going to go through six weeks, each one in that week. We're going to go through each one. For six weeks. So tonight we're going to talk about accepting Jesus. And that's when we say yes to him. That's the first one. The second week, which is uh, next week, we're going to be talking about attending church re- weekly. Or weekly attending a service like a Sunday or like tonight, a Wednesday night. And then we're going to talk about our membership class, which is uh, Discover New Hope. And that's going to be on a Saturday, that class. Uh, Saturday, September 26th, that's the first class that we're going to have. And we're going to explain what that means, what Discover New Hope is all about. And then 
you can attend that class. It's going to be on a Saturday uh, from 10 to 12. So it's a two-hour class. We'll take breaks in between. And then you're, you're going to discover a lot about the church, our denomination, our core values, and some basic principles about our church. You're also going to learn about water baptism and what that's all about, which brings us to week number four, water baptism. In fact, water baptism is coming up this Sunday. And so for some of you, you're thinking, well, I've never gotten water baptized, but I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that's all about. Well, in, a simplest, in its simplest form, water baptism is a public confession of your belief in Jesus. See, when you prayed and you said, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I, I ask for you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. That's a private confession. You may have prayed with someone or maybe you told someone, but now water baptism is you're letting every single person out there know. You're letting everyone know. You're, you're, you, you post it on Facebook. You put it on Instagram. Like, I got water baptized. People will ask you, what is that certificate in your house? What, what are you doing? Oh, that's I got water baptized. And so that's going to be week number four. And then week number five is joining a small group. And we have various small groups uh, throughout the week. Some of you meet for a Bible study. Some of you have devotional groups. We have a board at our connecting wall that shows different groups or small groups in homes. Uh, we have our men's ministry that meets on Saturday, our women's uh, Bible study group on Saturday morning. So there are various groups that meet. And you might be thinking, well, I, I don't have time to meet where they are or they're too far. Then start your own. Start one in your own home. Or if you're at work during lunchtime, well, I only have like 15 minutes to eat. Be faithful in the little, then God will give you more. Have like a five-minute small group. How you doing? You good, you good, you good. Okay, let's pray. And then you pray together. That's your small group. But start somewhere. And then God will grow that. You watch what he does. And that's joining a small group. And then the sixth one is joining a ministry. And the reason why we say join a ministry is because it's within the body of Christ that you actually begin to grow more. It's tough to grow outside of community. Very difficult. We, we liken it to charcoal. When you have a pile of charcoal, when you're at the beach and you just, you know, you, you grill, you're grilling some steaks, if one were to fall out, that one will die out a lot quicker than all those that are still in the grill. Why? Because there is no support for that charcoal. It'll just die out. The fire will die out. And so it is with joining a ministry. If we're not involved, the fire dies out. It does. And so we're going to go through this in the next six weeks. But tonight we're going to be talking about accepting Jesus. Accepting Jesus. Some of us already said yes to Jesus. And part of saying yes to Jesus is watching him do miraculous things in our lives. This past couple of months, we've seen tons of people not just dedicate their life to Jesus Christ, but many coming to know him at a greater level or at, at, a, at, a, at a greater capacity of love for him. Uh, one of the ways we've seen is on Sunday morning that a lot of new people are coming. And you might be coming on Sunday morning, and if you've been attending this church for more than three, four years, when you come on Sunday morning, you're thinking, who are all these people? Like there are a lot of people just coming to church. Some people visit, they're checking it out, but they're coming to know Jesus. They're listening to God's word. And so that's been happening. We just recently had our legacy camp, which, which is our, our high school, our Hawaii district high school youth camp. 
and a lot of youth came to know Christ. They were posting different pictures on Instagram and Facebook, and some of them wore their t-shirts to school that said legacy, just as a proclamation to say, this is who God made me to be. I'm going to live a life that has a legacy behind and that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And some are starting Bible clubs. So just a great revival in our youth area is happening. And so we want to see what else God is doing. And as we continue as believers, as we continue to understand what it means to accept Jesus Christ, then we become the family of God, not just the attenders of God. We become a family. We become a, a community of people that continue to advance the kingdom of God. Rather than saying, well, just feed me and feed me and feed me. Those who receive Jesus Christ, yes, will be fed. But after a while, we start saying, wait a minute. What, Jesus, what can, I, what can I do for you? Who are you making me to be? And that's a part of accepting Jesus Christ. So what are these next steps? Because is it just a card that we follow? Is it, is it a system that we're going to use? No, think about it. Many of us just recently, many of you just recently gave your life to Jesus. Maybe within the last year or two. And so you're wondering about this relationship with Jesus Christ. How does this affect my life? What am I supposed to do in this life with Jesus Christ? And so this, this uh, next series is going to help you to navigate your way through with your walk with Jesus Christ through the most difficult times. And it's going to help you to understand what your next step is. As, as you grow in the Lord, you're going to see that each step is going to be clearer and clearer. And it's going to be like a process. You're going to be in, in one step and then you're thinking, wait a minute, I, I need, and sometimes we'll say this, I just want more. I want more. See, the more is not necessarily doing stuff. The more is more of God. We just want more of Him. We cannot really fathom the depths of God. And because God put eternity in our hearts, the only thing we can really say is, Lord, I just want more. I want more. And really, I want more of you. So this is that spiritual map so that we can see how we're growing in the Lord. How are we doing with our steps with God? See, the first thing that happens, and, and you can write this if you're taking notes, and if you're, if you're putting a title, it's basically just step one, accepting Jesus, yes, with that exclamation point. Because that's what happens when you accept Jesus, as that yes. And so the first thing that happens is only something God can do. And here it is, if you want to write this in, number one, God knocks on my heart. That's what he does. Before you accept Jesus Christ, God knocks on your heart. But even after you accept Jesus Christ, God still knocks on your heart. How often we'll, we'll be going through a difficult season and then we just sense God knocking at our heart. Like God is saying, let me in. You're pushing me away. Let me in. And God is a gentleman. He's not going to kick down the door of our heart and say, here I am. I'm going to fix everything in your life. He says, no, no, no. I'm going to knock. And if you let me in, as in fact, Revelation 3.20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. In other words, he wants a relationship with you and I. He wants to sit down. He wants to dine with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to have a conversation with us. That's how intimate God wants to be with us. He wants to really build a relationship with us. Only God can do that. Only God starts to awaken our spirit. And he knocks on the door of our heart. And then you become spiritually hungry. 
Have you ever seen that when someone comes to know the Lord? They want to do everything. They like, where, where can I serve? I, I want to serve. I want to do something. I want to do something for the Lord. Hey, pray for me because I want to do this. I want to do that. And after a while, they're just doing everything. And then they burn out. And they're like, oh, I got to quit. I got to stop. I got to slow down. My family falling apart. This is not happening. I don't even know where my kids stay. I just, because I'm serving all over the place. It's like God got to bring them back and, and scale them back to instead of being a rocket ship Christian... To be a slow-burning coal believer. See, when you see the space shuttle go up, it's like, wow, that's awesome. And then it just, it's done. Everybody goes home. We go down to Bayfront, 4th of July, watch the fireworks. Oh, that's so good. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, that's so good. And when it's done, everybody goes home. It's just a quick burst. And that's it. And nothing wrong with loving God with that kind of zeal. But I'd rather us have a slow burning coal for the Lord. It's almost like pacing yourself and really seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, I've accepted you. You've, you've been knocking on my heart and you're awakening my spirit. And so I'm spiritually hungry. If any of you ever fasted or if you hadn't had a meal in a long time and you're starving, you come home, you eat everything. Like you just open up the refrigerator and say, bring it on, leftovers. And you take everything out. You eat cereal, you eat pancakes, you eat, you eat eggs and bacon. Actually, that's, not, that's what I ate. I ate, I ate pancakes, <laughs> eggs and bacon. I was hungry. And I just, we just pull everything out and then we eat everything and then we're stuffed. And then we can't move. And so God is saying your spiritual hunger, it's going to cause you to have this thing called a spiritual curiosity. That you're going to wonder about this relationship with God. Where am I with you, Lord? How is this, how is this pertain to my walk with you in what I'm doing? How am I different because I've accepted you? What are you doing in my life? And so he begins to awaken your spirit. And for those of us who've come to Christ at a later age, imagine walking without Christ for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and then all of a sudden your spirit is awakened. You know how long it's going to take your spirit to kind of get awake? One morning, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, I hear this knock on my door. And I'm wondering, wait a minute, was that a knock on my door? I mean, it's 2 a.m. and I'm thinking, no one's going to be knocking on my door. And Heidi is sleeping, so, and then I hear again. I'm thinking, nah, it cannot be somebody knocking on my door. So you start to go through, is that the dog's tail hitting the door? Is that, is that, a, is that a mouse outside? Is that birds pecking on the roof? What, what are birds doing up at 2 a.m.? And so I, I wait, and then I hear again a knock on my door. And so I go to the door, and I open it very slow. First, I turn on the garage light. Like if, if it's a burglar, like I can scare you first with my light. And then I open the door very slowly, and it's my friend. And I open the door, and it's my friend. And I was like, you're right. He's like, no. I said, what's going on? And he starts crying, sobbing. And I said, what happened? And he just needed prayer. He just needed somebody to talk with. And after I talked with him, I said, you're going to be okay? He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a ride home? No, no, no. I, I, I got it. I'm good. I'm, I parked down the street. I didn't want to wake you up. I said, well, you did, you know, so... <laughs> And then, and then he left, and, and I thought, it took me time to wake up. You know, that first initial knock, sometimes you don't recognize it as a knock. You're just wondering, what is that? And for some of us, when God is knocking on our hearts, we're wondering, what is that? What are, 
What, why, why is it, why am I crying when I come to church? Every time I, I'm not going to go to church anymore. Every time I cry. They sing songs, I start crying. I don't know what's going on over there. It's God knocking on your heart. Just let it go. Just cry. <laughs> Just let it go. Just let God do something in you. He's going to continue to knock. Because he's awakening your spirit. That's something only God can do. Now, he might use a friend. He might use, uh, he might use a coworker. He might use a, a family member. He might even use pain to knock on your heart, to awaken your spirit. He might use an accident. He might use a, a, a tragic situation. He even might use an illness just to wake up the spirit man inside because it's been dormant so long. And he'll say, I, I got to wake up your spirit because there are things that needs to happen in your life. That if you don't waken your spirit, then you're going to stay dormant forever. And I got to wake you up. But he's a gentleman. He'll just knock and he'll wait patiently. Some of us, we're awakened through the discouragement of pain or someone's negativity or, or maybe a whole lot of crashing in comes on you in a dark period, a dark time, and, or someone says something or, or a relationship goes bad or finances and you're wondering what is happening. It's like God saying, I, I just want to come in. I, I want to come in and be with you. I want to be with you. For some of us, maybe God is, is awakening your spirit because you grew up under your parents relationship with God, that you were, all, all on, you were riding on their faith and their belief in God and, and them attending church. And, and so they would drag you to church and you're like, I don't want to go to church. Boring. And they said, no, 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 no. It's going to be good for you. You need Jesus. I don't need Jesus. I get Jesus already. Why I got to go to church? And you kind of drag them to church. And then after a while, their faith needs to be awakened See, we're all children of God. God has no grandchildren. Our children cannot continue under our faith. They need to find it for themselves. Now, here's the scary thing about, about parenting. When you raise your children up in the ways of the Lord, the Bible promises that as they get older, they will not depart from it. So the Bible says. The Bible also says that the word of God is like, it's like seed and, and water that, that comes to the earth, that it will not return void. It will continue to do its purpose. It will accomplish what it was purposed to do. And so it is with our children. We raise them up, and even though they go astray, they've got to find the Lord for themselves, which is a scary moment for us as parents. Because for some of us, we came to know the Lord at the darkest time in our lives. And we don't want our children to go through the same things we went through. However, here's the good news. Sometimes that's the only way they will come to know the Lord for themselves. And that's the hope that Jesus says will never disappoint. Yeah, but they're struggling in this season. Yeah, that's right now. But maybe in the next 7, 10, 15 years, they're, they're going to find Christ. And those, those 15 years of crisis will be worth every moment when they find Christ. Because that's what brought them to know Jesus Christ. He's knocking on the door of their hearts. See, when you come to know and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just remember, you're, you're going to go through the temptations. You're going to have negative things come your way. You're going to have persecution or, or people saying things about you because of your belief in Jesus Christ. 
But you also have the devil who will come at you from time to time. He's going to say certain things. But you still make the decision to not just say, I believe in Jesus, because even the devil believes in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, well, I made a decision then. I, I, decided, I decided that Jesus is Lord. Yeah, even the devil decided that Jesus is Lord. The devil knows that Jesus is Lord. He just rejects his lordship. So it's more than just deciding about Jesus Christ, him being Lord. It's actually surrendering your life to him as Lord. See, the demons, the demons bow down to Christ, not because they've surrendered their lives to him. If you read scripture, the demons bow down before Christ. And they said, well, what are you going to do with us, O son of the most high? The demons bow down before Christ because he's Lord. They made a decision that he's Lord, but they reject his lordship. They're not going to follow him. Listen, there are no demon atheists. Demons believe in God. There are human atheists, but there are no demon atheists. They know God. So when we surrender to God, what we're saying is, I give you my life in all of its fullness. Not just believe in you, but I surrender my life to you. In other words, I no longer belong to me. It is I who no longer lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's what it means to accept Jesus Christ. We surrender. And if you want to write that in your second point, it means to surrender my life to the Lord. Surrender. That you're letting him take ownership of your life. And salvation comes by God awakening your spirit and then you surrendering your heart to him. It's saying yes to him and Lord, I, just, I surrender everything to you. I remember when I first came to church, I didn't really know Jesus uh, you know, I kind of grew up in Sunday school a little bit, and then my, my uh, relatives would drag me to church, and I didn't like going because I didn't understand what was happening. And then I, I, I moved up here to the big island, and uh, Heidi's dad said, the only way you can live with us if, is if you go to church. And I thought, well, I don't want to go to church. I don't like church. And he says, well, that's the only way you can move in. And he just became a Christian some years before, so he wanted to do things right. You know, he didn't want Heidi's boyfriend living in the same home, so his hope was that I would come to know Jesus and turn my life around. Well, I started to attend church, and I remember the first day I came into church, we were at the boys' club. This is when New Hope was down there. And I walked in, and here's all these weird people, good morning, and hugging me. I'm like, what? Who are you? I don't know you. And I'd walk in there and people would say, oh, good morning. So good to see you. I'm like, I don't know you. I don't, what do you mean good to see me? I don't know who you are. And I would walk in there and, and, then, and then they would have music. And I thought, you sure this from church? Because there's a band there. There's a, there's a guy playing electric guitar. Like, meh, 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 meh. He's like rocking on. I'm like, I don't know if this is, is this legal? And so I walked in and it was in a gymnasium. So I'm thinking, this, something got to be wrong. This is not, this is not a church. And then I sat down, and, and then uh, the, the pastor came up to preach, and it was Pastor Wayne Cordero. And when he started preaching, like Pastor Wayne does very well, you can understand. And then he started talking, and I'm thinking, I can understand what he's saying. I understand exactly what he's saying. 
And so as, as they, you know, the weeks would go by, I, I still didn't know the Lord, but there was a spiritual awakening that was happening. And so I sat there and I would listen every week and he would say certain things and I'll, I'll be thinking, that's so true. Yeah, Heidi, you got to change. That's what the pastor said. Nah, you got to listen. And so I was thinking in that way, you know, I was thinking, hey, maybe if I go to church, Heidi would change. And so it would be a good thing. And as time went on, then God started to speak to my heart and he's saying, no, 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 this is for you. So every week, week after week, week after week, it's like there was a spiritual awakening. And then God spoke something so profound. It was on a Father's Day, and he said, if you want to be a good dad, you need God. And it was at that moment that I surrendered my life to him. And I began that journey. And that journey has kept me continuously seeking the heart of God because of that word that was spoken. And once I accepted Jesus, now I began to get to know Christ. Before that, I knew about him. I knew some religious things to do. I knew about the Bible. I, I, didn't, I didn't read it. I didn't understand it. But once I received Christ, I bought a new Bible. And then I got the Bible tabs, you know, that tab thingy. And, be, you know, because I'm a perfectionist, it took me forever to put those things on. Have you ever tried lining that things up, measuring that, calculating how much you have to put, how much spacing you're going to put between tabs? None of you did that? Well, I did. And then I mixed up first and second Peter. I put second Peter first and first Peter second. And I was like, oh, it's stuck on the pages. This page is so thin. I can't even take it off. It's going to rip. So my Bible, my first Bible is actually wrong. <laughs> it's okay. It's still the word of God. And, I could, and then I continued to build my relationship with him because I understood this. And it's in Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, every single one of us has an appointment with God. Every single one of us will have an appointment with God. Every person. But we all fall short of the glory of God. This, this scripture, Romans 3.23 to sin means to miss the mark or to wander off the path. To fall short is to be left behind in a race and so fail to reach the goal. In other words, to fall short at the end. So it's like you live life to its fullest. You do everything you want. But if you don't know God, you come up short in the end. And some of us live our lives like that. That we think we can just exist and do whatever we want. But then... When God starts knocking on the door of our hearts, we find out, well, we just came up short. And then we surrender our life to him. And it's amazing how God receives us into his kingdom, and then he continues to build us up in his way. That's why we need Jesus Christ as our Savior. We all have sinned. We fall short of his glory. And then Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the greatest news. That's the greatest news. Eternity. Eternity. We all long for eternity. Did you know that? The Bible tells us that God put eternity in the heart of every single person. He put it there. He put it there because he knew that without eternity in our hearts, we would have no hope to be with him. See, eternity is in there. That's why we try and search for things that will satisfy our soul, but it will never satisfy our soul. Nothing will satisfy our soul until God is in there. You need an eternal God to fulfill an eternal void. 
And without that eternal God filling that eternal void, you're going to try to fill up what is supposed to be eternal with temporary things. That's why if we are in a relationship and then you fall in love, you're like, oh, this is, the greatest, this is the greatest person in the world. They love me. They love me for who I am. But they don't know Jesus. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to get them to know the Lord. This, this is my goal. My goal is to get them to know the Lord. But if you're trying to fill that void with a person and then that doesn't work out, you're going to look for another relationship, another relationship, another relationship trying to fill the void. You're going to go from job to job trying to feel successful or trying to get more money or more things, accumulate more wealth, more happiness in the world, more materialistic things, thinking that that's going to satisfy the eternal void. But it's never going to because there's nothing on this earth that is eternal. Only God is eternal. And so we say yes to him and now he fills that eternal void. Maybe we're in a season right now of searching and we're saying, Lord, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's, it's hurting right now. It's, it's not a good season. I, I'm going through a painful situation or, or a setback or I just don't know what's going to happen from day to day or in the next month or two or the next year. I don't know what's happening with my family. And it's probably drew, it probably drew you closer to the Lord. It probably also got you to your knees. One man said it like this, never despise anything that gets you to your knees. Because it draws you closer to the heart of God. And it builds your relationship with the Lord in such a way that you're strengthened. So that no matter what you go through as, the, as your life goes on, as life goes by, you're able to stay consistent with the Lord. Because life is inconsistent. But if you have the Lord and you surrendered your life to Him, now you have consistency. You can always walk with the Lord because he's your God, your best friend. And when we first accept Jesus, we don't know everything. When we first accept Christ, all we know is God loved me. God forgave me. And we don't know everything. But when we accept Jesus Christ, even though we don't know everything, what we're actually saying is, I'm willing to walk this life with you, Lord, that I can know you more that I can grow with you. Because as sinners, we need his grace. We need his grace to grow so that we can get to know him. You can write that in your third point. When you accept Jesus, now you get to know Jesus. You don't see him just as a religious person or a great teacher or a rabbi in the New Testament or the son of God. You know him as your savior, as your Lord. You get to know him day by day. If you have your Bibles, could you turn to Luke chapter 24? And this is a, a story of when Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and then, this is the, the third day or three days later, everyone's kind of going back to their daily routines because Jesus caused a lot of, a lot of controversy. He, 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 he did a lot of miracles. But then he went to the cross and everyone's saying, and so this guy's, his mission, this guy's mission is done. He said he was going to bring God's kingdom. He said he was going to be the Messiah. And he claimed to be the son of God, but now he's dead. But what they didn't realize is he rose again. And so now this is after the resurrection. In Luke chapter 24, I'll read from verse 13. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus 
which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, if you go walking, like Heidi and I will go walking once in a while, it it'll probably would take you close to two hours to walk seven miles if you're walking a pretty, you know, brisk walk. So it would be a, like a two-hour two walk. So they had time to talk. Imagine if you were with your wife sitting down for two hours doing nothing but talking. You would be able to get to know a lot about each other. And so they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have, not, have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, well, what things? It's like Jesus is knocking on their hearts. He's just asking questions. So what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And a certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. In all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ have to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone further or farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass that as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and blessed it and broke it, and then he gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. So first of all, I'd freak out. I mean, if your friend, just, you just met someone on the road, and then they, they, they came to your house, they broke bread, and then they disappeared, what would you do? I don't, I don't know how you would respond. I mean, maybe we see that in a movie, and we'd be like, wow, that's kind of cool. How'd you do that? Or we just, just freak out and scream, or I don't know. He just vanished right before them. And they said to one another, no, I don't, I don't know how they came to this result. But they said to each other, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? In other words, they didn't need to freak out. They didn't need to be scared because they knew it was the Lord. See, even at the most saddest time, when you know the Lord, you're okay. 
you're okay because you know the Lord. And they were sad. These two that were walking on the road, they were sad. But when they knew it was Jesus, all hope came back. And that makes all the difference. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They walked two hours, came home, broke bread, realized it was Jesus, then went back seven miles to Jerusalem. But this is why they went back. They went back and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. See, these, these two that went back to Jerusalem, a two-hour trip was nothing compared to the news that Jesus was alive and well. Now listen, when you and I receive Jesus Christ and we get to know him, telling someone else about Jesus is not a hard thing to do. These guys walked for two hours just to let the disciples know he's alive. We just, in fact, they probably showed up, okay. <sighs> he's alive. What? His <sighs> brick was, was walking. Like, we was just here. We went there. We came all the way back just to let them know that Jesus was alive. See, when you get to know Jesus Christ and he tells you to do something, it's not that hard to do because you're getting to know Jesus Christ. They knew him, which means to become thoroughly acquainted with or to recognize. See, as you walk this road, you look at this card again. When you walk this road with Jesus Christ as your next step, each one, one by one, you will get to know Jesus thoroughly well. That you're going to know Christ in such a way that telling other people about Jesus is not a hard thing to do. Praying for people is not going to be a hard thing to do. Attending church is not going to be a hard thing to do. Giving to God is not going to be a hard thing to do. Serving Him is not going to be difficult. Loving Him is not going to be difficult. Hoping in Him is not going to be difficult. Even when you go through the darkest, most saddest moments, it will not be as difficult. Why? Because you got to know Christ's heart. And you know Him. These are our steps. And as we get to know Jesus Christ, the beautiful thing is you get to know you even that much better. Would you pray with me? You close your eyes and bow your heads and put away your, your Bibles for a moment. Let's just take some time to just settle our hearts. And maybe for some of you, God has been knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe He's been talking to you tonight and He's just been gently knocking on your heart. And just saying, let me in. I, I just want to sit with you. Whatever area that would be, what is he saying? Maybe you've never opened the door of your heart to Christ. Maybe you know about Jesus. Yeah, you decided that he is the Son of God. You decided that he is Lord. But you've never surrendered your life to him. Maybe right now, that's, this is your moment. 
that you're saying, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I don't just want to believe in you and attend church, but I want to give you my life. And if that's you tonight, I'm going to say a prayer. And, and what this prayer will help you with is just some words to put to what your heart is sensing. So that you can kind of make sense with some things. And you're just going to confess your, your sins to him. You're going to, you're going to surrender your heart to him. You're going to give him your life. It's a private confession that God hears your heart. In fact, we can all say this. I think for all of us, even those that have accepted Jesus Christ, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget how good it is to walk with Christ, how, how privileged we are to be a believer, that we have eternity set for us, that God has created a place in heaven for us, a new home for us, a place that there is no more crying, no more tears, no more pain and suffering, a place full of joy, a home. that Jesus himself has built. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I'm ready, I will come and get you so that you can be with me where I am. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the door. And all who enter will find eternal life. Let's all say this prayer together, especially for those who have never given their hearts to Jesus. Let's say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I ask for forgiveness of all of my sins, past, present, and future. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross rose again that you gave me eternal life and I received it as my gift it's only through you Jesus I trust you I have hope in you you will never disappoint me I surrender my life to you in Jesus name I pray with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and you gave Christ your heart, fully surrendered to him, could you just lift a hand real briefly? I just want to say a blessing over you. God bless you. God sees your hand right here. God bless you right here. God sees your hands back there. God sees you right there. God bless you back there. God bless you. All of you right here. God bless you right here. God sees your hand. He sees you. Yeah. God sees you. He sees your heart. He hears your prayers. Yeah. You can put your hands down. Lord, I just pray your blessing over those that said yes to you. That this new life with you, it's, a, it's the best life to live. Because now we are going to live a life that we were created to live. And it's to be with you. I pray for all of us as believers that as we accepted you into our lives, that we would be fully devoted to you. That we would remember it's a privilege and an honor to accept you as our Lord and Savior. Let not the news of the world discourage us who carry the good news of the Lord. We pray this in your name, Lord. And we all said, amen. Hey, can we just welcome those that said yes to Jesus Christ tonight for the very first time?